going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what is going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, first weekend of football, all three levels of football, high school, college, and pro. Very exciting. But that pales in comparison to what's going on in baseball right now, Bob. It's pretty sweet what's going on in yeah. baseball. I got the I got the trap fever. I don't. I hope everyone else does too. But uh, you're not yeah, the only it, one either, because ESPN's power rankings they were the unanimous number one. They got every first place vote. Yeah, I mean, uh, taking power rankings with a grain of salt, how could they not be <laughs> <laughs> the unanimous number one at this point, uh, especially? Uh, you know, considering the Dodgers' current status, obviously they are the hottest team in the MLB right now. The Indians, with their 18th straight victory as of this recording, uh, should they sweep the Detroit Tigers this week, they will tie the major league record for longest win streak. Chris, this is already the second largest, longest uh, win streak in the American League in the last 50 years. Only the Oakland A's. Uh, have had a longer win streak Uh, it's been pretty uh, unbelievable and and kind of I don't know about you but I I I guess none of these win streaks are expected but I I was not thinking that the Indians would be able to put together this kind of run considering what they were dealing with at the start uh, of this win streak but Chris just for you I mean how amazing has this run been for the Indians I think the the more amazing part, well, to answer the question immediately, yes, it's amazing. 18 straight wins in baseball is obviously one of, it's, an, it's a tremendous accomplishment. But I think what's more amazing is that this isn't the first time they've done this double-digit kind of win streak. You know, Last year, they had a 14-game win streak. Earlier in the year, I believe they won 10 straight. So the Indians, this year, team over the last two years has shown that when everything's clicking they are just a dominant force with a deep rotation a deep bullpen and a starting lineup that that one through nine challenges you all over the spot and this year got even better with the additions of Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce who by the way hasn't played much on this streak uh, they've been resting his neck a lot during uh, recent wins so uh, it's unbelievable that not only that they've been able to do this, flirt with a, an MLB record, but that they've been able to put together multiple stretches of, of winning double-digit games in a row. It, it, Bob, it, Bob, this team is just it's remarkable how, how good they are top to bottom. Yeah, I think we're seeing that over the course of this win streak, Every facet of their game is clicking, particularly uh, for, for I think the the offense and the starting pitching have have really driven it. And the bullpen hasn't been needed, uh, though they certainly have stepped up when called upon. But the starting pitching has been red hot from Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, Clevenger, uh, starting off with Salazar. And now, you know, Tomlin ha- has filled in as Salazar has lost his spot. Um, they've been near dominant one through five, and then the offense uh, has been explosive at times. And then when when uh, getting into pitchers' duels, they always uh, 
produce enough for 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 the Indians to to go on this win streak. It's been it's been fantastic. You know, the, I think all of these win streaks that you mentioned, the the earlier one this year, the one from last year, it it shows you just how good that starting rotation can be when everybody is in sync and pitching their best baseball. Uh, they they are just lights out and dominant. Uh, Corey Kluber obviously is in contention to win another Cy Young award this year, but behind him, he has le- legitimate guys that uh, on other teams could be number ones or number twos. All, all of them, they're, they're so good. Uh, and when they're all clicking, this is what you get a, a record setting win streak. Yeah. Slight correction to my earlier statement. It was a nine game win streak. So they were just shy of another double digit win streak this year, but obviously last year when they, set the club record at 14 straight wins. That was another kind of amazing moment that that everyone just couldn't really believe that the Indians were rolling this good. And, and it's not like they, they, they've just been pulling this out of thin air. I mean, they've been doing it all year very quietly. I mean, they, they, I, I'm looking over their schedule. They had stretches where they won, you know, eight out of nine or, you know, six out of seven, things like that. But they get overlooked by some of these inconsistencies earlier on in the year. They, they, you know, to start off the second half, they were swept by the Oakland A's. Obviously, not a good way to start. I believe that West Coast trip, they ultimately went like one and five against the A's and the Giants. So those kind of things have kind of overshadowed some of this. But now, ever since they got on that nine-game win streak to to kind of end July, they have just been untouchable because they they've been winning almost every series. They had that stretch, the brutal 23-game stretch where they won like 16, 17 games against teams that were all contending for playoff spots or over 500, and now they've won 18 straight. And so, Bob, it's just it's so much fun to cheer for a team that is dominating the way the Cleveland Indians are, that has a murderer's row for a rotation, one, two, three, Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, when Trevor Bauer is pitching at this level, and the guys behind him, like Clevenger and Tomlin and even Ryan Merritt. I mean, Danny Salazar is in the bullpen now. That's how deep this team is. Danny Salazar would be in the rotation for many other teams in this league uh, because of just his talent. I know he's inconsistent, but there are a lot of bad teams out there, Bob. He would be... solidly in the rotation on probably 20 other teams and he's in the Indians bullpen and then you just look at the lineup and it's just it's just it's so much fun to watch this team put it all together at the perfect time too to have this win streak occur in September as opposed to May well just ask Dodgers fans how they feel about that I certainly would rather have my team peaking in September as opposed to earlier in the year yeah, for sure. It it's been it's been exciting. It, it's uh and you know the all of Terry Francona's Indians teams have started off a little bit slow and ended uh, on fire and it seems to every year they end even stronger than the year before. You know, last year they, they went on uh, a 14 game winning streak. Uh, 14, right? Yeah, it was 14. Yeah. 14-game win streak uh, this year that they've surpassed that already uh, with an 18-game win streak. Chris, the Detroit Tigers are coming to town. Uh, the Indians are going to have Carrasco, Kluber, and Clevenger. Uh, Corey Kluber, 
uh, will be the pitcher of record uh, should the Indians win the 20th straight game and then Clevenger uh, should they uh, win the 21st and 20 would be tying the AL record 21 would be tying the uh, MLB record uh, Chris are, are they going to do it that's a good question Bob I mean you look at the pitching you look at the matchups I mean you want to say on paper yes but this is baseball man I mean anything can happen even when you're this close to a record I do think the Indians are just locked in I think if Clue, I, I'm confident that it'll at least get to 20 because I think Carrasco and Kluber are pitching sky high right now. And you know, I, I think there's there's there there might be some concern with Clevenger, but Bob, I mean, this team is just rolling. I, I don't see I, I don't see any reason to pick against them. I, I so I'm gonna go say yes that they are not only gonna you know break the AL record, but they'll break the MLB record on Thursday against Kansas City. The 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 probables there are to be announced. But point being, I, I think they're going to do it. I, I, I'm just going to believe in the team. They've won 18 straight. Would it surprise me if they lost? No, because eventually they are going to lose before the playoffs. Uh, just odds are that that's going to happen. But I just think that this team is so focused, so locked in, that they're going to do it. And I, I think they want to do it too. I think they want to get this. They want to say, hey, we're here. We're, we're back you know, some people prematurely buried them back in May. I, I think that was ridiculously premature, but there were people out there who did. And I, I think that they want to just make sure that they are cruising on all cylinders heading into the postseason. So, yeah, I, I think they will do it be- just because they're so locked in. And I think Detroit is really one of those teams that just has nothing to play for right now. And and I, I think it will take a little bit more than spoiling the Indians to, to get them out of, of that kind of mindset. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they have to be uh, favored to keep this streak going. They have their two best pitchers uh, for potential wins, 19 and 20 in, in the streak. Uh, Corey Kluber has been near unhittable during during the, the win streak. And like you said, the Tigers are uh, in, in fourth place in the American League Central. They, they've shipped off a, a number of players uh, at, at the trade deadline to, you know, they are in a, in a rebuild mode. Uh, the Indians are are playing for something. They have to be favored to, to win those games. So yeah, I think they'll do it too. Uh, and Clevenger has been just as good. I mean, his past three starts, six innings pitched and zero earned runs uh, during the win streak. He hasn't let up an earned run since August 21st. So uh, yeah, they, they, they definitely can do it. And I think they should do it. They should be able to do it. Uh, here's a question for you though. Should we get to the win streak to, to 20. So they tie the A's going into that final game against the Tigers with Clevenger on the mound. Do you manage that as Terry Francona, like a playoff game and use your bullpen? Like Terry Francona is known to use it uh, in postseason games. No, I don't. I, I, I look, I would love to get the record. Yeah. But I, I don't think you jeopardize anything for October. I, I Look, I would rather have an 11 game win streak in October than a 21 game win streak in the regular season. The fact of the matter is the only thing that matters is winning those 11 games in October. If the Indians don't win the World Series or even get to the World Series. I mean, Bob, the only time those Oakland A's are talked about that we just mentioned that 20 game win streak. They, they won over 100 games. 
is when we talk about win streaks, they lost in the first round of the playoff. Nobody talks about them as being one of the greatest teams of all time. The bottom line is you do not manage this game or any game in September at this point with a 13-game lead in the division uh, as it's a playoff game because the only games the Indians need to be worrying about are the playoff games. Now is the time to just make sure everyone is in rhythm, nobody gets hurt, everyone's managed and healthy, but you do not gas your bullpen for what would be a superficial win streak if the Indians have a letdown in October. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, just go out there, try and win it. If you don't win it, I mean, what's the the only bad thing is your 11 game lead on the Twins might, or excuse me, it's 13 as of now. Uh, so whatever it is, it might diminish by one game. Uh, they're they're cruising into the American League Central crown, uh, have taken control of the best record in the American League, and have a really comfortable cushion against Boston for at least the number two seed and home field uh, in that American League division. So yeah, there's not a, I mean, I would love the streak. I would love for them to have the American League record. I I would love for them to have 22 and and beat the Cubs for the major league record. Yeah, I don't, I never want the Indians to lose, uh, but definitely don't sacrifice your well-being for the postseason just to get that record. I agree with you on that. Chris, crazy thing about this win streak is that this isn't even full strength Cleveland Indians. We have Jason Kipnis and Michael Brantley on the DL, Andrew Miller, their best reliever also on the DL. We talked a little bit about Danny Salazar uh, returning from the disabled list during the win streak and then getting shipped out to the bullpen. Uh, Jose Ramirez has battled a sore wrist during the win streak. Bradley Zimmer uh, injured his hand last night. So the Indians still dealing with a number of injuries a number of guys have had to step up during this streak. Who for you is the biggest X factor that has contributed? Uh, it's a guy I have liked for a long time now. His name's Giovanni Urshela. Uh, a lot of people found out who he was against the Yankees when he made an unbelievable play at third base. Uh, but when Kipnis went down, Ramirez has been playing a lot of time at second base to get Yoshella's glove into the field at third. But the last 14 days, you know, in he's hitting 333. Uh, he's hitting 250 in the last 28 days, which is about 25 points above his average of 227. That's been the big knock on him is can he hit? And and bottom line, Bob is you know during this streak, not only has he provided Gold Glove type defense, but his bat has not been a liability, and, and I think that's always that's what's kept him down in Columbus is that he needs to get that average up from the 220s into like the 260s. If he could hit there, he'd be in the majors to stay, um, and then hopefully that he's using his, his extended big league time because he's gotten more big league time this year than he did last year after playing uh, in the second half of 2015. Uh, hopefully this is going to help his development because his glove is a gold glove contender every single year he just has to get that bat to a more manageable level and over the win streak he's certainly done that yeah the the bottom end of, of that rotation or excuse me not rotation but that lineup ha- has certainly stepped up Urshela Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes have contributed uh Eric Gonzalez has hit a number of home runs during the win streak uh the the bottom rotation has certainly impressed me but Chris one guy uh that we haven't really talked about a whole lot is Trevor Bauer who has won nine straight games now uh he has has I I would say supplanted Danny Salazar as the third best pitcher in that rotation and 
between Kluber, Carrasco, and, and Bauer, uh, with Bauer pitching like he has pitched in the second half of the season, the Indians look near unbeatable, obviously going on an 18-game win streak. Uh, Trevor Bauer, without him and his dominance during this run, uh, the Indians w- would not be on this win streak. He, he has certainly uh, been the catalyst for it, uh, at least in the rotation. Well, it's funny, though, Bob, you know, Kluber might be, you know, fighting with Chris Sale in earn run average and uh, strikeouts per nine and all that fun stuff. But Trevor Bauer is tied for the American League lead in wins with 16, tied with none other than Chris Sale. That is, quite frankly, uh, fantastic and kind of surprising given how inconsistent he's been over his career. But it's certainly refreshing to see. You're absolutely right, Bob. If Trevor Bauer is pitching at this level, the Indians have three aces. I don't see a team that can match up with them if Bauer is pitching at this level. It's just, how do you beat this team in a series, best of five or best of seven, when you've got to face Kluber and Carrasco and then this version of Trevor Bauer? And by the way, you're going to have to face Kluber, both of the, those guys, all those guys twice with a you know spot starter in the fourth game in each of those series too. I mean, Bob, it, it's truly remarkable that whatever Trevor Bauer did about two months ago to, to get in this zone, he needs to keep it up for the rest of his career because if he pitches like this, uh, he is a bona fide ace. Yeah, for sure. I just hope he uh, doesn't have any drones laying around his house anymore. Um Uh, One more remarkable thing, Bob. I'm looking at the numbers. Chris Sale, 278 strikeouts. Corey Kluber is second in the American League with 235. And and remember, he missed a good portion of May uh, earlier in the year with an injury. That's that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, uh, you know, if you look back a month, uh, and, and that's when, you know, you first start looking at awards races and whatnot, and they start to take shape. Chris Sale statistically... Uh, far outplaced uh, Corey Kluber in most categories due in part to the, to missing that time. But Corey Kluber has gotten hot. He, he's had more starts to, to make up that lost time. And Chris Sale uh, has been a little bit inconsistent in, in some of his starts uh, of late, especially when facing the Indians. So um, yeah, it, he uh, is putting together a, a Cy Young campaign. I think this win streak, uh, the Indians securing the best record in the American League at this point. Uh, it, it might vault Corey Kluber into the number one spot for that Cy Young Award. Bob, another amazing stat about the rotation. Carlos Carrasco is only eight strikeouts away from having 200. Trevor Bauer needs 26. They could have three pitchers strike out 200 batters in the same year. That, it, that again, is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we Obviously... You don't go on a win streak of this magnitude without multiple guys uh, putting up huge numbers and stepping up and playing the best baseball of their season. But uh, Francisco Lindor also 307, uh, batting average and eight home runs on the 18-game win streak. Uh, He's got 29 home runs, Chris. I know you said that he could hit 30 this year. I thought that was uh, a little bit unbelievable, but he is now uh, in – only company uh, with Alex Rodriguez for, for the youngest shortstop to, to reach 29 home runs. Uh, so tip of the hat to you, Chris. Uh, I think he's going to eclipse that 30 home run mark. Uh, at least I hope he does. Um, and it's been pretty impressive what he's been doing on this win streak too. 
Let's hope that's the only path he follows Alex Rodriguez down. Uh, there, there are a couple other paths A-Rod went down that, that I, I would not like Lindor to go down. We're, of course, talking about performance-enhancing drugs there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic to see Lindor. Bob, the, Indian, the Indians might. It, it would be a bit of a long shot, but they could even have five guys hit 30 home runs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jose Ramirez uh, with 25, Carlos Santana with 23, and Lindor with 29. Those are the three guys that would need to join uh, Encarnacion and Bruce in the 30 home run club. Um, all of them have been uh, raking of late. It's certainly possible. Um, I'm not sure if Santana could get there. Uh, Jose Ramirez doesn't look to hit for power. He certainly has the ability to. So, uh, But they have that potential for sure. And that that's, I mean, five guys uh, with the potential to hit for 30 home runs and some of those guys are also really difficult outs as well and switch hitters. I mean, it's a lethal lineup for sure. All three of those guys you mentioned are switch hitters. I think that's a, a dynamic there. Santana can draw so many walks. and they're, they're just so punishing the face in the order, especially when they're sandwiched around Incarnacion and Jay Bruce, power righty, power lefty. Uh, that, that one through five is frankly amazing. And we haven't even talked about Brantley and Kipnis, who who aren't even healthy. And Bob, even if they are, they might even be the sixth and seventh best hitters in this lineup right now. That's not a knock on them. That's just how good everyone's playing. Uh, I, I think I think for Santana and Ramirez to get the thirty would be a bit of a stretch, not because they can't. Well, Santana, that would be a, one heck of a run over two weeks. But I do think that as we get close, they're, they're not going to play a lot a lot more. I think they're going to rest a little bit more. Um, not a ton. This isn't the NFL. They're not going to like take a whole week off. But they are going to rest a little bit more, and I just don't think that they're going to have the at-bats to do it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Lindor certainly should should reach there. He just needs one more home run. But, yeah, yeah those other two guys are a little bit unlikely. Um, Chris, 18-game win streak, like we said, uh, top of the American League standings. You know, The Houston Astros at one point looked uncatchable, and, and the Indians have surpassed them uh, by just a game, but they, they've caught up to them, and now there's a battle for that number one spot. Uh, even more so uh, than the Astros, there was a point where the LA Dodgers looked like they are going to set a record for wins uh, in, in midseason, and they have spiraled uh, to losing 10 in a row, 15 games out of 16 games that they have lost uh they still uh have a commanding lead uh a comfortable lead i guess uh, of the best record in the mlb at 92 and 51 but chris the indians are are right behind them only five games out from the best record in the mlb uh one game behind washington uh, for the second best record do you think the indians are, are able to catch the dodgers do you think the indians should try to catch the dodgers well, I certainly think they are able to. Five games with you know a call, uh, about two and a half weeks left is certainly doable, especially if the Dodgers keep performing at the clip they're performing. Well, if the Dodgers keep performing at this clip, we might be talking about Arizona catching them because, my goodness, Bob, it's, it's unbelievable. One in 15, 10 straight losses. Uh, Arizona's pulled within single digits of that division that the Dodgers led by as many as 20 games at one point. So uh, if the Dodgers keep doing this, uh, they might not even win their division. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they will break out of it. They're too good to not to break out of it and at least finish on a respectable note. But respectable combined with the Indians playing at a solid pace. I mean, I, I'm not saying the Indians win out because I don't think that that's going to happen. But if the Indians win four or five games each of the next three two weeks, 
that could be enough to get catch LA for the best record in all of baseball. I certainly think it's a realistic shot. Now, should they go for it? Again, if if you get it, it's a bonus because, Bob, we saw last year home field did the Indians a heck of a lot of good in the World Series, didn't it? Oh, wait, they went 1-3, lost the last two at home. So at the end of the day, it's like we said earlier, it's about playing your best baseball in October. No, I don't think they should start Kluber on the last game of the season and mess up his playoff rotation just to chase the best record in baseball. But if you happen to get it, it's just a cherry on top. Yeah, I mean best record in baseball that that's assuming you're assuming that you're going to the world series there's a lot of work to to get there in the postseason make sure you're in the right mindset make sure you're healthy like you said make sure the rotation is set i think it happens naturally uh yeah for sure i mean the dodgers are spiraling out of control uh the indians or the nationals or even the astros could catch up to them uh feasibly and and uh it, it wouldn't be that uh um, unbelievable for any of those guys to, to catch up to the Dodgers. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it happens, it happens. Uh, I'd be happy for it. Um, I certainly think that, you know, having some home field advantage during the postseason is advantageous, uh, particularly in that opening series when it's just a five game series. Um, and it looks like the Indians are set to, to have home game, at least for the ALDS. Um, so that's good. Uh, but you, you just, you don't, you don't end September trying to get home field advantage. That's just not what you do. That's not smart baseball. Yeah, no, it's not smart baseball. You, you get the rotation set and you play to win in October because Bob, if say, say they pass Washington because they're only a game behind the nationals. Well, then all you do is cheer for everyone to beat the Dodgers and you have home field. I mean, it's not like you need to catch all these teams because you might not even be facing the Dodgers or the Nationals. If you have a record that's better than all but two teams, there's no guarantee you'll face those two teams in the World Series anyway. So no, you don't go all out for it. If it happens, it's a bonus. But if not, it's it's certainly not the end of the world. Definitely. Well, next week we will know whether the Indians are American League record holders for the longest win streak, Major League record holders for the longest win streak, or somewhere uh, just behind them. Hopefully they get to 20. Hopefully they get past 21. Um, Certainly a a great time to be an Indians fan. I hope they do it. Uh, Chris, we will now turn uh, to some college football going down south to Columbus. Oklahoma comes to town uh, against Ohio State uh, and pulls away uh, what was a close game through the first half, uh, Oklahoma turned it on offensively and Ohio State could not keep up uh, Oklahoma winning easily uh, in Columbus, uh, particularly in that second half. Chris, kind of shocking that the the Buckeyes lost by that margin of point total. I don't think anyone would be, should be shocked that Oklahoma won, but uh, the, the way it happened certainly looked a little bit concerning. What went wrong with that game? Well, aside from the obvious everything answer, uh, 28 to 13 in the second half, obviously very, very terrible. Um, the, the game changed when JT Barrett threw the interception. Um, you know, the Sooners had scored 14 or two touchdowns, taking the lead, and then JT Barrett comes out, throws a, a just a bad pass that was picked off by a, a defender who was baiting it, the throw. And then it just spiraled out of control from there. The Sooners had great field position. They took advantage. And the bottom line is Ohio State just couldn't get anything going in the second half. 
The Sooners' defense dared JT Barrett to beat him, and he delivered a 19-35 game for 183 yards passing and an interception. And, 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 and Bob, when you, when you look back at, at all the big losses Ohio State's had over the last couple of years, it's been teams that have either Ohio State has chosen not to run the ball like it did two years ago with Michigan State, or teams have dared them to just throw the ball. And they can't seem to do it, and, and namely JT Barrett, can't seem to beat a team through the air in the big stage. Clemson beat them down. Michigan should have won the game. I mean, let's let's just be real about it. last year. The Michigan Wolverines should have won that game. Somehow, Ohio State escaped with one, and, and then we we you know we're going up to Oklahoma now, and and. When, when you get into these big games and, and you make JT Barrett throw the ball, uh, it, it usually ends bad. You know, Ohio State rushed for 167 yards, which is pretty good, but they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. In the second half, they just kind of weren't able to establish the run because Oklahoma's defense was, was, was gaming for it a little bit more and took away the running lanes. And so, Bob, it just goes back to the issue that plagued the Buckeyes all last year. They have to find a way to stretch the field and make teams stay honest against their passing attack. Otherwise, every time they face a team with a competent defense, uh, they're going to uh, have long, rough stretches like they did against Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, a lot a lot goes wrong when you lose 31 to 16 at home, uh, obviously, especially a, a team that you went into uh, their stadium last year and both these teams are, are relatively uh, they had a lot of returning players. They they went into Oklahoma last year and and laid the smackdown on them. So, um, yeah, a lot has to go wrong, but Chris, these aren't new problems for Ohio State. Uh, again, it all comes down to JT Barrett and that passing game. Oklahoma dared him to throw, and they also forced Ohio State to have to throw. I mean, when, when Baker Mayfield is on all cylinders in the second half and, and putting up touchdowns, you know you can't run that speed uh, run option game. You, you have to call more design pass plays, and that just doesn't fall into Ohio State's uh, bread and butter. The bread and butter is strong running attack with some option plays by, by Barrett that open up really easy throws for him with some great yards after the catch because everyone on Ohio State is uber talented and can uh, make guys miss in space. Uh, again, key indicator for me when Ohio State is out of whack is when JT Barrett is the leading rusher uh, on the team. Now, he's not the leading rusher in yards, but he got more carries than J.K. Dobbins, 18-13. Uh, to 13. Barrett was sacked three times, so if you take out those carries, still 15 carries to 13 carries, uh, Barrett to Dobbins. That's that's usually when Ohio State struggles is when JT Barrett is the gets more carries than the running back. Uh, so you know nothing new. Uh, it, it's it's really frustrating uh, for for anybody to to watch Ohio State and see them struggle that much offensively. Uh, but Oklahoma made some plays, particularly Baker Mayfield. You know, leading the Sooners up and down the field uh, in the second half against a, a really talented Ohio State defense. No, certainly, Bob, that, that is a fantastic point. And, and, and he only had six fewer yards than Dobbins, so I'm sure if you take those sack yardages away, he's probably a leading rusher in positive plays. Like in the NFL, they don't count sack yardage. In, in college, right. that does right. factor in. So if you take all that away, he's the team's leading rusher. And that usually is a problem because, uh, you know, again, we I alluded to that Michigan State game, the one that kept him out of the college football playoff in 2015. Ezekiel Elliott barely touched the ball. And they lose a close game. I mean, you know, 
that was a conscious decision not to feed Zeke. So it's kind of more kind of disheartening. This was at least Oklahoma forcing the Ohio State Buckeyes to play to their weaknesses, and they did so successfully. And you got to give credit to Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield played fantastic. The defense figured out Ohio State in the second half, and the Sooner offense adjusted to the Ohio State defense uh, in the second half as well. So give Oklahoma all the credit in the world for having a fantastic game plan. And let's also cool the burning bandwagons, okay? Oklahoma was the fifth-ranked team in the country with a a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback. Let's not sit here and pretend that they lost to Bowling Green or some some school that had no business beating Ohio State. This was not a gimme win by any measure. I don't care how badly they won last year. Now, yes, I thought the Buckeyes would do it again, but let's not sit here and pretend Oklahoma wasn't a good team. And let's also not burn Ohio State's playoff hopes to the ground They lost to Virginia Tech, a worse team than Oklahoma, a couple years back, ran the table all the way to the championship. So things are not over for the Buckeyes by any stretch, but... If they're going to go through the Big Ten, which currently has uh, you know four teams rated very high in the poll, believe all of them in the top ten, they're going to get through Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan. They better correct these issues because those three teams are going to take note. And those are Big Ten defenses, not Big 12 defenses. It's going to be even harder to get by against those teams if the issues in the passing game aren't corrected by then. Yeah, definitely. Um, good news for them that they... they they, the only way they would face Wisconsin is in the Big Ten title game. So uh, at least they, they don't have to face all three of them in the in the regular season. Yeah, their, their title hopes are, are still alive. As, I mean, a non-conference loss against a quality opponent is, is the best way to do it, especially early in the season. A uh, number of teams ha- have come back to, to reach national titles and, and playoff games after dropping a, a big game. Uh, early in the season and, and it only helps that it was out of conference so you know they, they're still perfect in the Big Ten and, and have control of their destiny within there so yeah I mean obviously you want them to win if they if they won they would you know be the the favorite to win the Big Ten and, and go to the playoff uh, you could still argue that they still are the favorite to do both that but uh, now it's a little bit more difficult because you know once you get to two losses that's when you're, you're you're talking about a lot of different x factors that have to go right for you to still make that playoff uh chris you know, we, we talk we talk a lot about jt barrett and, and his uh ups and downs but i mean is, is jt barrett a, a, a big time quarterback that you can rely on in, in the games keep in mind he, he wasn't even the one that that won the national title though he was on the roster just a few years ago yeah it's a little unfair to him uh to 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 put everything on his shoulders because Let's not forget the defense played awful, giving up 28 points and a half as well. Um, But if you're asking me if he's a big game quarterback, I don't know if it's a fair question because he hasn't... The only big game he played was against Clemson. It didn't look well against them. He played against Michigan last year. Didn't look particularly well against them. Uh, So so I don't know if, if he's had enough time. But at the same time, I would have to say no. I would have to say no at this point because he has not won on the big stage just yet. I think if he's your starting quarterback, um, you know, there, there's going to be question marks in the passing game. It, it has to fall on his feet right now. The last two years, this has been his team. And every time the Buckeyes have lost, these are the habits that, that keep falling back to. He, he overshoots receivers. He makes untimely turnovers. And when they dare him to beat you with his arm, he can't do it. 
So I would say as of right now, he is not a big game quarterback. He's a fantastic college football player. And I think that overall, he can beat you in a number of different ways. But when he's forced to throw the ball downfield, when he's, when he's forced to beat you with his arm, I don't think he can do it right now. Yeah, I I, th- I, I um, struggle saying that he's a big-time quarterback as well. Um, if you go back looking at it, at his game logs, uh, has only eclipsed 300 yards once uh, since 2014, and that was the opener against Bowling Green when he had 349 yards. Even when he, they went into Oklahoma last year, he played fantastically with four touchdowns, uh, 14 for 20 uh, it, it, completions versus attempts, but only 152 yards in, in that game passing. Um, I agree with you. He hasn't had the opportunities, but you know he, he has such a large body of work. I mean, this kid has been playing for four straight years. Has has you know w- was playing as a freshman in 2014. That it seems pretty clear that he just doesn't have uh, the back end tools to to be a, a big game quarterback and to make big time throws deep down the field uh, in in really tight windows to to lead his team down. He's a, he's a great athlete and great in that system and certainly you know Ohio State offensively can can play in big game moments with him leading it. But if it's all on him, I, I think that's when we've seen Ohio State struggle the most. No, certainly. And look, I think you can win with JT Barrett. I just think you have to be able to establish a strong running game. And the defense can't obviously do what it did um, in the second half. Well, first off, the defense can't do what it did in the second half. I don't care who your quarterback is, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, whatever. You can't give up 28 points in the second half and expect to beat a ranked team, period. But um, I do think you can win with him. I think he's good enough to overcome this. I do. I, I Even though we have all this tape on him, I think he has talent to overcome this and, and you know, get past the whatever struggles he has when teams dare him to beat them with his arm. But he's got, he's got to do it. He's got to correct these mistakes because, because it happened against Clemson. It happened against Michigan. They get, got away with it. You know, it's happened before multiple times and, and, and Ohio State always seems to come out on the losing end when it does. Well, moving on to kickoff week uh, in the NFL, Cleveland Browns hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chris, you and I predicted this game last week and predicted a blowout on Pittsburgh's side. And Chris, I have to say I am as pleased with this loss from the Browns as I have been with many of their wins. I mean, an 18-21 to 21 loss opening week against the Steelers uh, to, to lose by just a field goal on, on the first week of the season against this team seems like uh, a reason for some optimism. Uh, Chris, what, what, what's your impression of how the Browns performed against the Steelers? Well, I think they exceeded expectations. I mean, well, well first off, blocked punt to start off the game. Um, I thought this was going downhill very, <laughs> very fast. But they recovered and gave the Steelers all they could handle. Now, ultimately, that blocked punt came back to bite them in a three-point loss. But Deshaun Kaiser, 20 of 30, 222 yards, threw a touchdown, threw an interception. Not a bad debut. I wouldn't say a great debut, but certainly could have gone a lot worse. We've seen a lot worse from rookie quarterbacks. He looked he looked poised at times, and he looked like a rookie at times. You're going to get that. It's first ever start, and he's playing a very good team. Now, here's the concerning part, Bob. Seven sacks. 
he was sacked seven times. That 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 has to change <laughs> because if he gets sacked seven times, uh, he's not going to make it to week eight. Uh, I I don't care how good you are, that's that's just way too many hits to take. And so this yeah. vaunted offensive line that got beefed up, they've got to you know beef themselves up and not give up seven sacks in a game. Isaiah Crowell, yeah. 17 carries, 33 yards, pretty disappointing. But Hugh Jackson said he was going to get him the ball more, and, and when I hear get him the ball more, I hear more than 20 carries a game. So I, I don't know if there was a, enough of a commitment to him. I, I, I would like to see him more involved, especially with a rookie quarterback. Um, some of that was playing from behind, but, Bob, they really weren't playing from behind all that much to the point where they could should abandon the run. I mean, the whole time it was no more than a two-score game. They were within one score for most of the game. I, I don't think that that's playing from behind to the point where you abandon the run. So, so I think that was more Hugh Jackson needs to live up to his, uh, you know, promise that he's going to get Isaiah Crowell the ball more, and, and I think that will help Dejon Kaiser not take seven sacks in a game. Um, but fortunately for me this week, he, Crowell didn't because I was facing him in fantasy. So I'm secretly <laughs> a little happy. But aside yeah. from that, <laughs> back in reality, I do think Crowell needs needs to be a little more involved than just 33 yards. Well, for for sure, more than thirty three yards. I mean, I think seventeen carries is a, is more than enough to give a guy that's averaging one point nine carries over the course of that game. Now, I, I don't know what their playing calling was uh, exactly in, in the second half when the game was that tight, but I mean that that's a plenty of body of work and only a, a long run of six yards to to speak of out of those seventeen carries. I'm adding that into or folding that into the offensive line concerns. I mean, combine. Your lead back uh, only averages 1.9 yards per carry, uh, and, and you give up seven sacks to your rookie quarterback. I mean, this was supposed to be the strength of the offense, Chris, and they they've disappointed on both sides or in both facets of the offensive game plan. Uh, I, I need more from that offensive line. I think if they played better, I mean, Crowell would run better, Kaiser wouldn't get sacked, and we potentially could be talking about a Browns win. I mean, seven sacks is is it's a, a large number when you're playing in a close game. I mean, that's that that's one number to, to explain a reason why you lost and, you know, compound that with the fact that this is your rookie quarterback's first game. That's just unacceptable. Uh, defensively, though, I, I was impressed with the Browns. Now, Antonio Brown did got his 11 catches for 182 yards, catching all 11 of his targets. I mean, what are you going to do when it's Antonio Brown and the Browns uh, don't have any answer in the secondary? But bottling up Le'Veon Bell for 10 carries and 32 yards, uh, intercepting Big Ben uh, and holding the rest of those that wide receiver core to, to a, a, a slow game other than some touchdown receptions. Uh, I, I was really impressed from uh, what the Browns were able to do defensively. That being said, only one sack on their end and not a whole lot of tackles for loss. I was expecting more of, of a pass rush. Yeah, a couple points. First off, they did all this without Miles Garrett, so that – Obviously, there's room to grow from this. So, so as good of an important as a performance they got, they could get better when they inject their number one overall pick into this defense. And secondly, yeah, Antonio Brown, 11 catches, 182 yards. But Bob, he had a couple catches that were just crazy, and he had a couple catches that just it's like, what are you gonna do? And, and so, you know, if, if it's not Antonio Brown, one of the maybe three people who can make some of these catches, uh, you know. Maybe maybe the Browns it goes another way and the Browns win the game. But hey, you know 
hats off to Cleveland. I, I think defensively they they definitely shown, and uh, you know it's a very good offense. Look, Ben Roethlisberger is a hard guy to sack. He's a big guy. He he he's so experienced that he knows when the pressure's coming. Uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna just you know. You got to give credit to Pittsburgh's offense. Yes, I'd like to see more than one sack, but but you do got to give credit to Pittsburgh's offense, and uh, it, they're just a tough beast to stop. They held them to 21 points, though, with all those weapons that you mentioned. Martavius Bryant was a non-factor, two catches for 14 yards. So I think overall they did a, a very good job, especially given where they are in the developmental stage. Uh, hats off to the defense for for playing very well against one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they held the offense to, to f- just 14 points. I mean, the the one of the touchdowns came off the block punt. So uh, you think about that. That's really impressive for the Browns to do, to stay competitive against them uh, for all four quarters, uh, better than, than what I could have hoped. I mean, I understand we're, we're, we're still talking about a loss and there's a lot of work to do, but I thought this game would be way out of hand really early, so much so that I, I – uh, did start a couple Steelers uh, on fantasy expecting that, but um, I, I'm happy with the, the result, and I think that bodes well uh, for their long-term outlook should they continue to improve. Yeah, and we talked about it in our preview podcast, Bob, that the Browns are probably destined for four or five wins this year, but if, if they're, they're double-digit losses, if you can take six of them and say, you know what, a little bit more experience, they win that game. This is one of those losses. A little bit more experience they win this game. So this is the kind of development I want to see. Is it still frustrating? Absolutely. But it shows this game against that team that has been so good for so long and is still a Super Bowl contender this year. This is the kind of game I say, you know what, it was a loss. But where they are in their development, you can look at it and see a lot of positives from it. Now, Bob, segueing to that offensive line again, they better step up fast because did you see what the Ravens defense did to Cincinnati last week? Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, I'm concerned uh, his longevity uh, in the NFL. I mean, starting the year with three interceptions, that's usually what he does in the postseason. That's, I have to imagine a lot of Bengals fans are uh, really upset right now because, yeah, the Ravens, I, I said that they would have a great defense this year, uh, but they uh, surpassed that expectation with what they did to the Bengals for sure. Five sacks, four interceptions. Uh, that offensive line for the Browns better uh, better step up fast because uh, Baltimore's ferocious defense is back. Certainly back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they play at that level, I think the Ravens have enough offensively to certainly make some noise uh, and get a playoff berth, as I said last week. Um, yeah, I mean, the – I, I mean, I, I'm not going to predict that the Browns are going to win this game. Uh, I actually think that this could get ugly for the Browns just from the way that defense played. We got a rookie quarterback, some young guys catching the ball, an offensive line that shows that they're not uh, game ready. Uh, that doesn't bode well for the Browns. It's also in Baltimore. Tough to win on the road. Deshaun Kaiser's first start on the road. Uh, I, I think that this is setting up for a Ravens victory. Um, I hope that the Browns fare better than the Bengals because, my goodness, how could you fare any worse than the Bengals? But, uh, uh, you know, I I think I would temper my expectations this time around with that defense playing that well against the Bengals offense that does have some weapons, notably A.J. Green, five catches for 74 yards, low by his standards, only caught five of ten targets. Um, 
certainly certainly uh, uh, not one I'm feeling optimistic about. No, definitely not. I, I mean, you know, even if having not seen the week one results, I wouldn't have predicted the Browns to win this game. Um, but I, I'm kind of concerned for, for Kaiser's health uh, heading into this game. Certainly, if he gets sacked seven times by the Ravens, um, yeah, th- that could be a big-time problem. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I, I know you, and I, I know you love football, and with week one, I'm sure you watched some other games. What what game caught your eye that you want to talk about? Uh, a game caught my eye is uh, Lions and Cardinals. First off, Matt Stafford, the $135 million man, threw four touchdowns, 292 yards. Very impressive day against the Cardinals in a 35-23 win. But the bigger news is David Johnson, dislocated wrist, probably going to be on IR designated for a return, which means he's going to miss a good chunk of the season. Fantasy football people everywhere are groaning. But that is not just a big fantasy casualty. That is a huge blow to an Arizona team that was looking to get back into the playoffs. If he misses that much time, uh, things could get out of hand for Arizona real quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, Really disappointing because David Johnson, uh, one of the most exciting players to watch uh, in in football uh, with the more the weight going on the Carson Palmer. He threw three interceptions, just one touchdown. Uh, it doesn't bode well. They they desperately need David Johnson to balance that offense. Oh, no, absolutely. They need David. Because Carson Palmer, very good quarterback, but at this stage in his career, he needs he needs a guy like David Johnson to take so much pressure off him. You said it best. I mean, they, they just he, – he is the guy they run their offense through. If he misses half the season, uh, I don't like their chances. But, Bob, what about you? What game, what game caught your eye? Well, uh, Thursday night football uh, and Kareem Hunt, I have to tell you, did his best David Johnson impression. I mean, three total touchdowns, over 200 total yards, 98 yards uh, through the air, 148 yards on the ground. The rookie from Toledo just, uh, you know, made his announcement. And the way it happened in the second half for what was a really close game between the Chiefs and the Patriots, for the Chiefs to, to just open up the Patriots defensively like that uh, that late in the game in New England uh, really shocking to me that uh, the game fell apart like that for for the Patriots yeah first a little bit on Kareem Hunt Willoughby Ohio resident uh, went to Willoughby South High School rushed for 2,685 yards and 44 touchdowns as a senior and 2,519 yards and 39 touchdowns as a junior. Bob, those are beast mode numbers. Uh, I, I, I dread the high school defenses that had to play against him. So Northeast Ohio guy, always good to see them doing well on the big stage. Tyreek Hill was fantastic as well for the Chiefs. With those two weapons, man, the Chiefs are are looking like they could be for real. But to talk about the Patriots, man, the the Buckeyes must have watched that game and mimicked the Patriots game plan there because (laughs) the Patriots, in the most unpatriot way, uh, just fell apart in the fourth quarter. And I get it. Their defense had some key injuries during the game. I get that. But offensively, man, they just looked lost. I mean, normally the Patriots are just in your face, dictating tempo, bam, and and, and it just all went away in the last quarter and a half. I, I've never seen that out of New England before, or at least it's been a very long time since I've seen that out of New England. Um, 
So concerning, but let's not forget, in 2003, they started off 2-2 two and two and then won the next 22, including a Super Bowl. So obviously nowhere near panic time for New England just yet. Yeah, I, I have to admit, Chris, I, I'm happy that this game happened early in the season for the Patriots because if, if they got off to a hot start, we would be talking about 18-0 and 0 for, for the entire season. And, I, you know, they certainly were talented and they're all in and, and you could argue that they upgraded their team. Um, but that front seven certainly had some questions and the Chiefs uh, illuminated those questions in, in a big way in that second half. I'm not. I don't think this is anything to indicate the Patriots aren't going to win the AFC East, but I am glad that we're not going to talk about any undefeated uh, Patriots team this season. Bob, the day before the article, they they had the day before the story. Excuse, gosh, I can't say this. The day before the game, ESPN ran a story. Would the 2017 Patriots be the 2007 one? And and I just looked at it and said, you've got to be kidding me, right? I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest teams of all time in the 2007 Patriots against a Patriots team that hasn't played a game yet. Now, I get it. They upgraded their stuff in the offseason. Wait, they got Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is not Randy Moss. I'm sorry, he's not. And they lost Julian Edelman, their West Welker comp. So the, the fact of the matter is, to, to even insinuate that this team could have gone 16-0 and was just insane. And, and I, I'm talking to you guys as a Patriots fan here. I'm, I am also glad that that talk is gone forever because it annoyed me that they were even hyping that up as a possibility uh, before they even played a game. It, just, it was just ridiculous, way too premature. And so, so I am glad that that, that stuff is going to go away. Yeah. And just last point, this Chiefs offense, like you said, really exciting. Uh, and I, I look forward to watching them this season between Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, uh, two really fast, great athletes. Chris Conley, the wide receiver, uh, is a, a downfield burner. And then they have Travis Kelsey as well and Alex Smith leading that offense. Uh, it seems tailor-made to his abilities and tailor-made to Andrew Reid's play, play calling. Uh, I really look forward to watching them play some more. Oh yeah, me too. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Andy Reid, excellent coach, and Alex Smith doesn't get enough credit as a as a quarterback. No, I would agree with that. All righty. Well, we stuffed a lot of football in this podcast, but made plenty of room for the tribe. 18 straight wins. Let's not forget that this week could be the week they set an MLB record. So hopefully they take care of business, get it done. Uh, it will be so exciting to see them win 20 or, or, or break the record or something like that. Um, but But even if they don't, uh, it, it, it's it's they're just such a fun team to cheers for. So go tribe, bring home those records, and that is all for us this week. So you can check out all our old episodes of Clee Talk on FenleyRoadSports.com. We will have another episode next week where we find out if the Browns can step up against the Ravens if the Buckeyes get back on track, or if the Indians have set those records. All of that is next week. But for now, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by searching Fenley Road Sports. Click Clee Talk. Or you can click on any of the three icons in the upper right-hand corner of FenleyRoadSports.com where all of our old episodes of Clee Talk are housed. We thank you for your support. Please keep listening. We'll be back next week. And until then, go Tribe. Set that record. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.